A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jenikin. We were out of town. Well, Desi was out of town. That's why we're late this week. And I was really tired. (laughs) We're all, look, we're all tired. Yeah. We had a week. It's definitely a week for everyone. So let's start out the show by thanking our Patreon contributors. They donated over at patreon.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. We just uploaded a new episode just now, so go check that out. This week we had Lee, Mads, Alejandra, Julie, Brittany, Aaron, Jennifer, Olivia, Cynthia, Rachel, DeBay, JQ, Brian, James, Claire, Jeraish, Andrew, Aaron, Suzanne, Molly, Brenda, Elsa, Marcos, Andrea, uh, Kindel, Sophia, Mari, Lindsay, Brittany, Gabby, Beatrice, Amy, Elena, uh, Natasha, and Evan. Thanks, guys. Thank you guys a lot. Okay, so this week we are all probably feeling a little stressed and tired. As Rachel mentioned earlier, I was in Arizona volunteering as a poll observer. I thought I was going to get a lot of work done <laughs> during those nine-hour shifts. I did not get a lot of work done during those nine-hour shifts, and I just didn't have the brain power to continue doing what I was originally working on because it needed a lot of research. Uh, so I had to last minute, I had to do the last minute switch, uh, with a tired brain on top of it all. So I think it ended up being a good thing though, because I do feel like we need an episode where we can all laugh (laughs) and unwind a bit. So this week I'm going to do some more sitcom scandals and crimes. Yay! Yes. So I have a few funny ones today. Um, we're going to get into. So the first thing I'm going to talk about is the sitcom ALF. Oh my God. Here we go. (laughs) Here we go. Did you watch ALF? I can't remember. No, but... I mean, it's before your time slightly, but was it in syndication? I can't remember. It's Well, it was before my time, but I didn't watch it. I don't... I didn't see it like syndicated anywhere, And but I knew about ALF and I always hated ALF because he ate cats. Yes. Well, I remember ALF being on the on air. I never had any desire to watch Alf. It was a dork ass show. <laughs> like I don't know who Alf was for. The guy has a dick nose. Okay. So if you don't know, Alf is an acronym for alien life form. It is about an alien who crash lands into a garage of a suburban um so I'm sorry, a suburban middle class family. So a typical sitcom from that era, a family sitcom basically, but with an alien. Now this series starred Matt Max Wright as the father, the uptight father, Willie Tanner, is the Tanner family. Uh, and the, the puppet is actually played by one of the show's creators. Like he played the role of Alf. Now, Alf is from the planet Melmac. Uh, he accidentally lands on Earth because of some radio snafu into the garage of the Tanners. And uh, this uh, show takes place in the San Fernando Valley. Um, it's just your typical um, family setup. One is a social worker. It's like the teenage daughter, the little son who's younger. 
and they have a pet cat named Lucky. That's a big plot point of Alf because Alf always wants to eat the cat Lucky. (laughs) So the family has to protect it from Alf. I would just be like, get the fuck out of my house. It's a bizarre storyline for a family sitcom to have. Like the cat is always in danger. It's just like, it's not funny to me. I'm sorry. I don't have a sense of humor about it. You know what? I, this, this is where I draw the line. You know what? I can laugh at anything. Child abuse. (laughs) But I'm not laughing at an alien eating cat. I'm sorry. (laughs) That's just beyond the pale. Now what year this came out in what? 85 or something? I think it ran for four years and maybe 90 was the last year it ran. So like about like 85, 86 to 90, like in there. So... I mean, (laughs) look, we have a listener and friend of the show who is an ALF apologist. Oh, really? Who? James. Fritz? Yes, Desi. I didn't know that was serious. We got into a fight about this. (laughs) Okay. I don't don't think I realized that that was serious. I don't know if it was a full-blown fight, Okay, but we did... We did get into a heated uh, group DM discussion, and he was like, fuck you guys, I love Alf. Now, Alf has a bit of an um, E.T. element, meaning like he's staying in their home until he can fix his spacecraft to return to his planet. Okay, but the twist is his planet ends up exploding <laughs> because everyone on the planet plugged in their hair dryers at the same time. This is so 80s. It's so 80s, but it's it's like... It's like a parody of a bad or crazy sitcom where they're just like, whatever, there's no rules. <laughs> like, and it's just like over the top. Um, some, of the, some of the things that aired on ALF were like episodes where he tries to convince the president to stop a nuclear program uh, because he, I mean, it's just like over the top. ALF is getting around. He's like Forrest Gump. Like <laughs> he just shows up into like important situations. And do people like... Like on the show, or are they just like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, it's like, I or, honestly don't think I've ever seen Alf. Like, I know <laughs> it. I've seen like probably previews of it, like when I was watching other shows that were not stupid, because it was on ABC. Like, I'm sure maybe I watched Growing Pains at that time or something. Like, so I, yeah, I don't think I've ever seen Alf, or I have, I have regressed that memory to a point where I like don't think it. Uh, so, I mean, obviously, it goes through the typical changes. He moves from his initial headquarters in the at, like in the laundry room to the attic. He gets more open. They like make an apartment for him. Um, Alf does eventually become friends with Lucky the cat. Uh, so they kind of he kind of starts respecting cats at some point. So that's a little nice arc for Alf. In fact, he gets a cat to eat one episode, but grows so fond of it that he ends up adopting it into the family. So, uh, so Alf does stop eating cats. <laughs> I will give him credit okay. for that. Okay. Now, as I mentioned up top, the dad on the show was played by a longtime character actor named Max Wright. This is probably the role he is most known for. He was, he was like a theater actor. He did like TV, like WKRP in Cincinnati, etc. Um, but as in the case with most actors who get on these shows that are sort of weird hits, he hates he hates that he's on this dipshit show. Like he fucking hates it. Very similar to Robert Reed. Yeah. Like whatever. Now, part of the reason he hated it is there was a lot of technical demands, like working with a puppet, which is basically what Alf is. So they had that element to it. And the fact that he's basically playing a supporting character to an inanimate object, it made it like a difficult acting job. 
I'm sure the I'm sure the fact that it was very stupid is the biggest problem. He said in a 2000 interview with People magazine, it was very hard work and very grim. He was also reportedly very happy when the show was canceled in 1990. I was hugely eager to have it over with, he said in the same interview with People. According to his co-star and Sheedan, who played his wife, there was one take and Max walked off the set, went to his dressing room, got his bags, went to his car and disappeared. Nobody had to say rap and there were no goodbyes. <laughs> so he basically filmed his last scene and just walked away and didn't even say goodbye to People. Dude, not even like, I mean, a moment with the cast? Uh, no. I guess not. I mean, maybe he's like, I'll see them when I want to see them. Like, I'm done here. So (laughs) (laughs) we're we're done here. Look, we'll we'll have lunch next week, but I'm fucking like, I'm just walking out at the end of this. Don't feel bad. Now, he later admitted that when he looked back on Alf, he had a little less animosity and conceded it doesn't really matter what I felt or what the days were like. Alf brought a lot of people joy, which is true surprisingly but true he was popular yes despite his feelings about the show the show's creator paul fusco did praise um his efforts and his like ability to make this uh stuff work he said max had a difficult thing to do playing a straight man against alf um but he said he had a great comedic chemistry between the two and he said he had to be that comic foil dying is easy comedy is hard to get that chemistry between alf and willie it was hard So Max continued working in theater and TV post-ALF, but unfortunately he was diagnosed with lymphoma in 1995, but he did go into remission after like a bit, and he was in remission for a very long time. He was married to a woman named Linda Ibarando for uh, 50 years um, at the end until she died of breast cancer in 2017, and they had two children together, so he also had this home life as well. But... Max became an unlikely tabloid star when he was kind of going through it in the early 2000s for there's no real reason we know that this happened. Like nothing set it off. It was just whatever, probably a long life of living a lie. And he definitely went off the deep end a bit in the early 2000s. He was arrested twice for a DUI, once in 2000 and another time in 2003, But the big thing that happened was the National Enquirer published pictures of Max in what they described as a crack house, smoking crack, basically. And that is true. He was smoking it, having sex, um, consensual sex with men. Now, the National Enquirer posted this expose um, from the guy that Max was with. So he basically narked on Max, like sold this tape. They filmed sex tapes together, like consensually, but obviously him selling it was not consensual. Max did not want this to get out. Um, and one of the videos, I mean, there's videos of him showing them having discussions together. So it was more than just sex. Like it was their whole night partying and playing or whatever they were doing in this hotel. Now this was obviously a huge shocker because he was this wholesome sitcom dad in this fucking scandal. But the sad aspect of it is he clearly was like a gay man, like in a marriage and like sort of living a lie his whole life. So I kind of feel like he was 57 when this happened. It was just like this explosion. Like he just exploded in, in like whatever this behavior because he kind of had been hiding it so long, um, especially maybe being a bit of a TV star. Now, the guy who sold the tape is just gross, so I'm not going to get into too much what he said. Max never um, spoke out about it or like 
confirmed or denied anything. What a shithead guy. To yeah. sell him out like that. Absolutely. His wife did kick him out. I don't know that it had to do with this, but it was probably just everything that was happening at that time. And it did force him to go into rehab. And he did um, get bad, or he got sober um, after this. There but for the grace of God go I. <laughs> seriously. That, no, seriously. Like I, I, mean, I mean, first of all, I'm lucky enough that there was only my space when I was a junkie. Absolutely. Like there wasn't like, you know, I wasn't on Twitter posting insane fucking shit or yeah. whatever, like in the middle of a fucking tweaker bender posting insane shit. And there before the grace of God, I, th- I thank God every day nobody like filmed my antics. Oh my God. Like, especially because when you, there was like phones at that time, like it was readily available technology. Well, Maybe not phones, but like video. People had cameras. And, people like, could have, they, they, what they would have used to film would probably be like someone's digital camera. Yes, the digital camera or those little video. They had little movie cam, yeah, the small ones. Yeah, yeah, because they're. Thank God, they're. This was before phones. This was like I got sober in two thousand six, so it was like before iPhones. Yes, yeah, yeah. (gasps) (laughs) Desi, I dodged the bullet. Seriously, so as I mentioned, he stayed together with his wife uh, until her death in twenty seventeen. Unfortunately, in 2019, his lymphoma returned and he did die at the age of 75. Now, according to a family friend who released a statement after Max died, he was in a relationship with um, the man who was nursing him during those last years. So that's kind of nice. Um, so yeah, that's like a that's the story of um, the Alf dad, which is <laughs> like a wild, uh, unexpected tabloid star, yeah. right? And it's the funny thing is that he wasn't really a star. It was purely the Alf connection that right. this story was bought for. Now, Rachel, did you watch The Fresh Prince of Bel Air? <laughs> of course, I watched The Fresh Prince. So, okay, we're going to get into the Fresh Prince feud between Ann Viv and Will Smith. So, I'm going to take you through the whole deal now. This is a crazy feud that went on for many, many years. And was very public, like which is rare for like a celebrity feud. They usually keep it pretty private. It's like rumored, but they never like say things publicly. Usually, that's not the case with this one. Now, just to refresh your memory, the Fresh Prince of Bel Air was a sitcom created by none other than Andy Borowitz, <laughs> <laughs> who now does really bad political comedy for The New Yorker. And some, some like it. I don't care for it. And this show ran from what, 1990 to... 1990 to 96. So as we all know, it starred Will Smith as a fict- fictionalized version of himself. You know the drill. Uh, we all know the song. It takes place in... He was from West Philadelphia, born and raised. I'm not going to rap it <laughs> on the playground. You know what? <laughs> that, that's, that's for a Patreon episode. Is De- uh-huh. Desi's going to rap yeah, it. Yeah. So he's shooting b-ball <laughs> with some bad guys... Oh, they were up to no good. They came and started trouble in his neighborhood. Desi, <laughs> stop! <laughs> You're like fucking Dennis Murphy from Dateline. Like they, <laughs> they came and started trouble in his neighborhood. <laughs> so anyway, his mom sends him to Bel Air to kind of get him out of that environment. It's a classic fish out of water situation. So basically this show was inspired by the music manager, Benny Medina, who was like big back then. He 
kind of had this idea for a TV show based on his life. He grew up poor in East LA and it cha- he changed his life when he befriended a rich white teenager who lived in Beverly Hills and they allowed him to stay with them. So he kind of lived in this rich Beverly Hills house. Now, at some point, um, like I guess when they were trying to pitch this around, they switched the idea to a black character character living with a white family. Um, but then that had been done a bunch, as we all know, like like different strokes or whatever. It was like a common trope. They decided to change it to um, a black a black teen moving in with a rich black family. Like that was sort of the twist. So they could explore like black, you know, different black relationships uh, and class stuff, etc. Now, at this time, Will Smith is known for his music career. He's the Fresh Prince, right? We all know that. He gets into trouble. Like, his career sort of stalls. He gets into some debt after failing to pay his taxes. At the suggestion of his then-girlfriend, he goes to a taping of the Arsenio Hall show, and he meets Benny Medina backstage by chance. Medina pitches this idea to Smith, and Smith is like, I don't know, I've never acted before, that kind of thing. Then they go meet Quincy Jones, who is also part of the production or the development at this point at like a party. And there, Quincy gives Smith the script for um, the pilot. Um, he basically auditions on the spot like to wow. get this part. Um, and the contract is drawn up. And three months later, they shoot the pilot. So that's how fast it happens. Now, obviously, Benny Medina and Quincy Jones are not TV writers. That's when they bring in Andy Borowitz and his, right, his wife, Susan, to kind of um, help create the show uh, because they have a TV experience. So they're credited as creators, but they don't really like come up with the idea. Um, in fact, one of the characters, Carlton, is named after um, one of Quincy Jones' friends, Carlton Cuse, who's one of the Lost creators. They were like friends. So that's the name Carlton <laughs> comes from that wow. guy. Uh, so according to Borowitz, like... It was written, taped in about three weeks, start to finish, and somehow it just like everything came together, and they knew they had like a huge hit on their sa- their hands. Now the theme song that I was loosely saying that got <laughs> Rachel annoyed <laughs> is performed by Will Smith and composed by Quincy Jones. Like they did that together. It's a very very iconic yeah. TV theme. We all fucking know it. It's like impossible. Once it gets stuck in, it's so good. I like, feel like there's generations, like Gen Z kids probably know that theme song. It's like, I'm a huge fan of theme songs that give you all the information you need <laughs> to just start. Like, it's like, here's the ba- exposition. We're getting it out in the theme song. You don't, you, you know everything you need to know to watch an episode. Right. Like, like you like, can pick up at any time. Absolutely. Uh, let me give a shout out to another great sitcom of the 90s that I was obsessed with that does that Sister, Sister. Oh. Sister, Sister, uh, starring the Tia and Tam- Tamara Mowry, of course, and uh, Jack A. Hooray. <laughs> she this 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 sitcom theme song gives you all the information up top. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love. They that. don't do that anymore. No. Why? Bring it back. It's like they're too. It's too hard to write the lyrics. <laughs> it's too much work. Get all your exposition out. Now the other cast members we all know. We have Uncle Phil, Carlton, Hillary, and Ashley are the daughters, and we have Aunt Viv. Now, Aunt Viv is played by a Juilliard-trained actress named Janet Hubert, and she gets replaced in season four. Now, I remember this very well. This was a very big story because no one knew what the fuck had happened. The reason given was creative differences um, as like why she left the show. 
it's not really a commonly thing, common thing to be done on a hit show to replace like a major cast member like that unless they die or something. Like, so everyone was like, what the hell is going on? Now, this began a feud between Janet Hubbard and Will Smith, who goes on to obviously become one of Hollywood's biggest like A-list movie stars throughout all of this, which has to be an infuriating thing to happen to someone you're in a feud with. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, ugh, like they had to become an A-list mega movie star. Like, I mean, and he is one of the top, our biggest stars. He is like ever. massive. Like, you can't get bigger than him. So no. I'm sure that's fucking infuriating. <laughs> now, as I mentioned before, this was public in a major way because Will and Janet were both making statements about like each other publicly and what went on. So. One of the first statements made was from Will, and he told an Atlanta radio station in 1993, I can can say straight up that Janet Hubert wanted the show to be the Aunt Viv of Bel Air show because I know she's going to dog me in the press. She has basically gone from a quarter of a million dollars a year to nothing. She's mad now, but she's been mad all along. So so he's saying this right before she gets canned? No, it's right after she gets canned, like... um, so, wow. But he's basically like, I'm getting out in front of this before she comes after me. So wow. he, he does the first thing publicly. She once said, I've been in the business for 10 years and this snotty-nosed punk comes <laughs> along and gets a show. No matter what to her, I'm just the Antichrist. Now, he's like 25. Like, he's very young yes. at this time. So he's young and inexperienced. As big of a music star as he was, this star, this like really made him next level, I think, because he had kind of been dying out a bit in his music career. I don't even think he, I mean, the show came out in 90. When did Parents Just Don't Understand come out? 89? Like, yeah. It's I was, not like he even No, had, it wasn't like he had a huge downfall, but it was kind of like he wasn't getting another huge hit, I think. Right. Um, and this just made him more well-known across the board because it was a TV show. Like, yeah. And he had fans from all over, not just like rap fans or whatever. So in an interview with with like what later became Huffington Post Black Voices section, Hubert said, my departure was planned for a long time. There will never be a reunion of the Fresh Prince. Will Smith and Alfonso destroyed a 20-year career with untruths. I got slammed and Will apologized later in Essence Magazine article, but it still lingers. It's still there. Now, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air star Alfonso Ribeira, who I mentioned his character earlier, played the preppy son, Carlton. He did the famous dance. Like, that was his thing. <laughs> Do you remember when he was like the tap dance kid? See, that might be a little before your time. Before he got on the show, he was really famous as being the tap dance kid. <laughs> That's how I knew him because he was like he was like the Savion Glover. Like He was this young kid who was really good at tap dancing And that's what he was famous for. Like, he got really famous for that. So when he was on this, it was, like, past the point where he was, like, a little kid still. Yeah. But it was, like, weird to see him. But that's why I think that dancing thing went off, because he was, like, a dancer. He was so good as Carlton. I mean, it's an obnoxious character, and he really nails it. He nailed it so hard. So in 2019... Uh, he at some point does a stand-up comedy set. I guess he like dabbles in stand-up comedy and that gets released publicly in 2009. Um, He starts talking about his um, own almost firing from the Fresh Prince. And this is some of his comedy in that set. It said that everyone he worked with was great except... First mom, not so much. Cue <gasps> boos and hisses from the audience. You know, legally, I'm not allowed to talk about it, but hey, why not? Basically, at the end of the day, um, 
that bitch, I think he said something like, that bitch was crazy. It's bleeped. I do not curse, but she was nuts. Long story short, there were days when we were all on set and she would literally go off on people and they got to a point by the time the second season came around where we were all like, this is unacceptable. We felt like when we were doing The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air that we were a family. She at that point ruined that and she made it very difficult for us to work. And unfortunately, she was then fired. They brought in Daphne Maxwell-Reed, who we absolutely loved and we moved on. Oh, well. <gasps> Not a very good stand-up set, but I'm sure it was <laughs> Wait, juicy. that was a stand-up? Yeah, he did that during a stand-up set. So it was like him going off his stand-up, I guess. Holy shit. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure everyone in the audience was like, ooh, this is juicy. <laughs> Who cares if there's no jokes? I mean, isn't it commonly known just by like the fans of the show that everyone likes the original Aunt Viv? It's best? always disturbing when they replace someone in a show like that. Like they didn't really like, I mean, it was literally the same character. It wasn't like she died and they he married a new person. It, I mean, I would like to look through a list of times that's happened. I mean, another famous example is Bewitched. That's a very famous they example. They replaced the goddamn husband. Now, they also did a replacement. It wasn't the same character, but in, in Valerie, Valerie's family, or like, what was it called? The Hogan family? Yeah. It was like Valerie Harper was replaced by Sandy Duncan. That was like a big one in the late 80s. The other one... Uh, famous one is Boy Meets World. They replaced the baby sister with a different child actress. Okay. There's two different Morgans. Okay. Well, obviously, there was like a mixed reaction to this because the crowd was sort of like, some of them were kind of defending the original Aunt V, I'm sorry, Aunt Viv. He later acknowledged she was funny and she's a very talented actress. And then he went into a falsetto voice and he added, but cuckoo. Oh, <laughs> my God. Alfonso, like, take it down a notch. Now, in 2010, Hubert went on something called Black America Web. I think it might have been through Huffington Post. She said... I was a dark-skinned African-American mother, and Will used to tell the you're-so-black jokes to the audience before the show. And at (gasps) one point, I came out and stopped him, and the audience went, whoa, she said. He didn't understand how unbelievably disrespectful that was to women like me. He would say things like, yo mama's so black, when she looks at her shoes, she thinks she's looking in the mirror, ha, 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 and get laughs from the audience before I have to go out. Oh, my God. So I think... There was both of them acting out. Like, do you know what I mean? But definitely, I bet you he's a young guy. That's who's very line. famous and just could get away with anything. Like, do you know what I mean? People didn't like pull him no aside. No one stopped him. No one stopped him and said that's really so not okay. This really boiled up again in 2011, nearly 18 years after the fact. This shit is still going on. Oh he posted God. a fresh. Prince cast picture and did not include her. He like cut her out or <gasps> cropped her out of the this picture. Is, I'm sorry. This is beyond because look, you're a huge. It's so yeah, like this is beyond petty. This is just like vindictive. So after that, she's asked by TMZ about the possibility of a Fresh Prince reunion, and she says there will never be a reunion. I was I will never do anything with an asshole like Will Smith. Wow, he is still an egomaniac and has not grown up. The constant reunion thing will never happen in my lifetime unless there is an apology, which he doesn't know the word. But an apology for what exactly? Right? I mean, I don't know. So, uh, she continues to blame him. Throughout these 2000s, um, she starts complaining that at some point when they were trying to negotiate a pay raise for the cast, like what they did on Friends, where everyone kind of banded together 
to get this huge pay pay raise. She kind of accuses Will of like saying one thing, like we're all in this together, but then getting his own money and kind of leaving the supporting cast Mm -hmm. out in the cold. Now, that's also a lot of the agents doing probably, uh, to be fair to him. She also just continues speaking out about Will. She says when he was young, he and he first started, he was a completely different person. By the time I left, he said, we're just going to replace her and act like nothing happened, right? Well, uh, and she's like, well, that's not going to happen because she's going to make a stink, like basically. And she pretty much has not held back against Will Smith throughout all these years. Now, she starts to soften a bit on the idea of a possible reunion. She starts saying things like, I would say to him, we need to heal this. You've done some things. You've said some things that were totally untrue, and you know that they were untrue. I've said some things that I probably should have never said. I'm tired. Aren't you tired, Will? So this is in 2013. She starts sort of softening on the issue. She also speculates on like how some of the sourness came, and she said when she was asked about rumors that she feuded with Smith and Ribeiro, she said, I think what happened, because the audience was so on my side at that time, that Will probably felt like he needed to go out and tell a lot of lies. Because I think it was a big thing when she got fired. Everyone's like, no, Aunt Viv. Like, right. You know what I mean? She was a great character in that show and it's just a different vibe with a new woman who was also sweet and like i'm sure a great person but she was funny she was a funny aunt viv like i was seeing some of the stills like the publicity stills from the show and just the look her looks were just funny she was just great on the show so i definitely buy that she kind of had a lot of the sympathy when that went down and that will probably felt defensive and, you know, had to, like, defend himself in a way that maybe was a little dishonest. Um, she said that Alfonso went out to a college and also told lies about her. And she said, the problem is I have proof that a lot of what they were saying didn't happen. Um, as I mentioned, she did start softening on this reunion uh, with Will and wanted to do that. Um, but it just wasn't happening at that point. She did have a funny line that that she's quoted as saying um, about how she felt like Will wanted everyone in the show to kiss his ass. And she said, when we started Fresh Prince, it was such a joy, especially in the beginning. But later I had to say to him, if you want me to kiss your ass, then you have to put it in my contract. (laughs) It's like, I want that part of my salary negotiation. I'm sure it is very irritating to be like a Juilliard trained actress working for 10 years. And then just this kid gets the role of a lifetime with no training or whatever. And then treats you like shit. Yeah. I I feel for uh, Janet. Absolutely. Absolutely. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I've had a really stressful year with work and family stuff, and I know I'm not alone when I say I tend to push that stress down in order to get what I need done, done, and that only makes things worse. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. 
In the past, therapy has helped me navigate many situations from helping me to set boundaries to just becoming the best version of myself. If you are thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I love that it's entirely online, so it's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash HCS today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash HCS. I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money, and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. Now... The next part of the feud brings in Jada Pinkett Smith, Will's wife. Oh. This happens in 2016 after Jada says that she is boycotting the Oscars because for the second consecutive year, um, no black actors were nominated in any of the four acting categories, including her husband, Will Smith, who she considered um, being snubbed for his lead role in a movie called Concussion. Did you see Concussion? Concussion. Wait, what year was she boycotting? 2016, I think. Uh, oh, okay. I, I didn't see that. Anyway, it was not a controversial snub. Like, no one was thinking he would get nominated. So that really set Janet off in particular, because she's like, he didn't even deserve it. <laughs> like, I don't think she was against the boycott, but she did get kind of miffed with Jada Pinkett Smith, who she felt was sort of like making it all about her and Will and um, their lack of a nomination for this movie. Now, she starts, she releases her own, like, I think Jada released a video explaining why she was um, boycotting and what she wanted the boycott to do. It was a pretty big thing that year. I do remember that. Yeah, it was a pretty big movement. It wasn't just Jada. No, but she was, I guess, one of the big players on that um, boycott. Now, uh, Hubert releases a video where she refers to Pinkett Smith as Miss Thing. She opens her video by saying, does your man not have a mouth of his own with which to speak? And then she goes into her thoughts on the controversy about this Oscars boycott and Jada Pinkett's uh, position in it. She says in the video, I find it ironic that somebody who has made their living and has made millions and millions of dollars from the very people that you're talking about boycotting just because you didn't get a nomination, just because you didn't win. That's not the way life works, baby. She continued, you ain't Barack and Michelle Obama. Y'all need to get over your 
yourselves. You have a huge production company that you only produce your friends and your family and yourself. So you are part of Hollywood and you are part of the system that is unfair to other actors. Get real. She then recalls how they were filming Fresh Prince years ago and she approached him like she she goes on to that thing about the deal. So it's like, if you're so into helping black people in Hollywood, what about when you didn't stand by us and you said your deal is my deal is your deal and then you bailed on us during the negotiations? So she like laid into Will and J- Jada wow. in this video. She ended the video by saying, you know, some of us has got have got mortgage to, mortgages to pay. We have bills to pay. We have bigger shit to worry about than the Oscars. So this made quite a a splash when it came out because it's like no one was coming at Will Smith uh, ever probably since he's been a huge star like that. She then goes on the show, The Real, because The Real is like, Jan- we need to get Jan- <laughs> Janet on after yeah. she goes after Jada because that was like pretty, like pretty big deal. Um, she goes on there. She starts telling her story. You know, she's 60 years old at this time. So that's a few years ago. Um, she said, she talks about herself in the third person. Take a take from that what you will. She says, Janet Hubert was never difficult on that set. Janet Hubert was so professional, it wasn't even funny. I think Will simply needed to win, and I think sometimes you get caught up in a lie and those things never happen. She, Janet Hubert never left the set. I never left the set. We got along great. So... Uh, she goes on to explain that she thinks it had to do with his youth, that he was young and inexperienced. Uh, she reiterates a lot of the stuff that she has done in the past, including trying to talk to his manager at the time, a man named Jamie James Lassiter. She said, I spoke to him when my dad and brother died, and I begged them. I said, I have family. I need to tell you the world the world that this stuff didn't happen. And I was waiting in my heart, think I was waiting in my heart thinking somebody would come to me one day and help me, but they didn't because I had been trained as a young woman. You always have your dignity, but I realized that redemption was never going to come my way unless I did it for myself. She told the ladies of The Real um, that there was no real beef between her and Jada. She said, I respect Jada highly. I respect her skill. I respect her as an artist. I respect her as an actress very much. Now, she does continue to slam Smith, however, especially after Alfonso Ribeiro paste, I'm sorry, post a reunion photo on Instagram. She goes to Facebook. She's six. She's in her 60s <laughs> to take down this photo. She's just she's kind of like feeling outraged that she always gets eliminated from the show when she was on the first like, you know, few well, seasons. Like we said, she was a beloved character. Yeah. So it. It must just fucking grate her that she's sort of being thrown under the bus in Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, and then she continues just to get slighted in even these stupid ways. Now, in his uh, defense, Will does uh, finally fucking give her a little bit of credit. Someone asked him who his favorite Aunt Viv is, which is like what? a bullshit question to begin with. He's very diplomatic about it, and he says, but it's like the first time he gives her any credit. Wow. He says, I think both of the Aunt Vivs are really, really fantastic. He says uh, that Janet brought a real powerful dignity to the show. I think she's brilliant. As an artist, there are so many things she does. She sings, she dances. She's a really powerful artist. I love what she brought to the Fresh Prince. So that's like a real turning point for Janet. She finally gets this fucking credit from Will that she has been looking for like for the last 20 something, 27 years or something like. Uh, So in September of 2019, um, they're starting to put together a, uh, are starting to put in the works another Fresh Prince um, reunion show. 
She, as I mentioned, had said she would never do a reunion with that asshole Will Smith, but she starts softening throughout these years, and that final nice words from Will really makes her want to like move on from this feud finally. HBO Max puts this Fresh Prince reunion uh, together, and the big the big sort of reveal is that one of the episodes is devoted to their reunion and just them two talking. So they have like a whole cast episode and then they have just a special episode where they sit talking to each other and hash out this feud and and they're smiling and hugging. I didn't watch it. I don't even know that it's aired because it literally was just filmed in 2020, September of 2020, like just uh, recently. Oh, wow. So I don't know that it's aired because I couldn't find like a review of it. Right. I like searched for it. So I don't think it's aired yet. I think it might be soon though. And it's described as a very emotional and sort of healing com- conversation between these two people who have been feuding about 30 this. years yeah. almost. Yeah. So that's the end of that feud story. Wow. Isn't that insane? <laughs> I honestly did not know all of the details to that one. <laughs> it went on for so long and like was like, like vibrant like it wasn't just like dormant for 20 years and like it was like i've never told anyone that i'm very upset about this still like it was constantly going on wow yeah crazy okay i have one more crazy scandal uh for you today and it involves the show mr belvedere oh here we go (laughs) you've been you've been you've been waiting to tell this story (laughs) So this is a... Did you watch Mr. Belvedere? I did. Okay. So this is kind of a celebrity, urban legend type story that I think I first saw on Twitter. Is that where you heard it? Um, I heard it like 10 years ago, I feel okay. like. But it okay. might have... I think it's been around for a while. I just didn't hear it. It was something I heard about on the internet, though. Now, I actually... Um, wrote something about this and I, I talked to our friend Scott Bowser <laughs> about did. this and he gave me a lot of inside information because he's a comic and it was like it, I'll get into it but it has some roots in that now this is one of those celebrity urban legends it's up there with the gerbil Richard Kearse gerbil Rod Stewart's uh, stomach pump like it's on that level but it's not sexual now are you sure it's not sexual <laughs> maybe it is I mean it could be this story, though, involves Christopher Hewitt, who played Mr. Belvedere on one of the classic 80s sitcoms, Mr. Belvedere. I mean, he's the title character. Now, this also ran on ABC from 1985 to 1990, but I'm sure it was in syndication. It had to have been because I watched it when I was very yeah, young. Yeah, I mean, all of these shows just were on, I feel like, always in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> this show centered around the Owens family, who for some reason hired a formal English butler to help them around their home in Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania. Uh, the dad is played by baseball legend Bob Euchre. <laughs> I mean, it's such a weird... It's another up there with Alf. Like, it's just a very bizarre concept. I think it is based on some book or something. Like, But still, like it's just weird because it's like never quite explained why they would have a butler like right it's just they, they weren't well, were they i don't even remember they weren't rich they lived that, in like a middle class that's family what house. I mean. yeah it wasn't like a mansion it wasn't like fresh prince of bel-air like they didn't right. even have that kind of house so i mean it had like a leon redbone theme song yeah it was just like the whole show is just very weird now another thing that was sort of always i always love a special episode and this had a doozy of a special episode it was one of the first television shows to have an AIDS center storyline. <laughs> this is a sitcom. And I've, I've watched some clips of this. 
And to say there's like awkward punchlines in this, it's, it's like, it is like the kid has, the kid has like AIDS. Like that's how they say it. They're Which not like kid? One a friend. No, one of the friends of the young boy on Mr. Belvedere has a friend who has AIDS. Like not, not HIV positive. He has AIDS. That's how it's described. And he literally like comes to the door and Mr. Belvedere answers the door and he's like, hi, is Bryce home or whatever his fucking name was? I think that's the actor's name. I can't remember the names. And it, And he's like, he literally, the kid literally says as a punchline, like, oh, so it's not because I have AIDS. <laughs> like, it's like what that. The fuck? It's like that level of punchline, and everyone's like, it's like sad laugh. Like, you know, the sitcom, yes. like, sad laugh kind of laugh track thing. So it's like that kind of thing. But in a weird way, it kind of brought attention to that. Like, he had like the version kind of similar to Ryan White who got AIDS from uh, blood transfusions for hemophilia. So I think that was a similar storyline because that was a big story then. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. Uh, but anyway, another incredible, uh, weird, very special episode. Now, I spoke to Scott Bowser, our friend who is a comic, and he gave me some insight into how this whole rumor that Christopher Hewitt, a.k.a. Mr. Belvedere, sat on his balls and had to be rushed to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, just knowing what Mr. Bell, like, just like if you know what he looks like, yeah, it makes the story 10 times funnier. Well, I like did a poll on Twitter because <laughs> I was curious about how common it is to sit on your balls and seriously injure yourself. Yeah. And a lot of guys said, look, I open myself up to a lot sometimes when I'm writing things on Twitter because I need information and it's just like, I don't really want guys telling me about their balls, <laughs> but it's like for journalism. <laughs> So a lot of guys said, like, as you get older, your balls start to get saggier. Yeah. Um, or you could have long, because some guys were like, I'm young and have saggy balls or yeah. lo- low-hanging balls or yeah. whatever. And it's not something that happens a lot, but it could if you're wearing loose shorts, if you're going commando and they're not, like, t- pulled up tight, you know, like, so, and some people have said that they have been severely injured, Um like I think I gave the options of like kind of hurts for a second and goes away or severely injured. Uh, so yeah, it is a thing that happens. So I did want to find out if that was even possible. And yes, you can sit on your balls. The guys on their balls, it's just like, they're so dramatic sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so Scott told me that he first heard the story in Jay Moore's book about his time on SNL, Gasping for Airtime, which came out in 2004. Uh, Scott told me that like he would read every book about comedy he could get his hands on. And he was like, read this book. And even though it wasn't good, when he got to this story that Jay tells in the book, it was like immediately something he was obsessed with. And if you know, Scott, you know, that's true. Now in this story, in this book, Jay Moore says that Adam Sandler told cast members that, um, and in the book, it says one of my favorite Sandler stories was the one he told us about the time that Mr. Belvedere sat on his own balls. <laughs> like, that's how the story <laughs> how starts. How did Adam Sandler know? Adam Sandler claimed that he had a small role on Mr. Belvedere when he was like a because he acted as like yeah. a kid. Yeah, he said that he went to a table read. The entire cast, as well as the writers, were waiting for Mr. Belvedere to arrive. I'm just going to call him Mr. Belvedere. <laughs> when he finally did, Sandler described a scene of him like this posh British man walking into the room with a sweatsuit that and had a matching monogrammed attache case. So he's in a velour sweatsuit. <laughs> Sorry. He walks to the table where they're doing the table read and he says, good morning, everyone. Just as he sits, that good morning, everyone turns into howls of pain because he had sat on his own nutsack. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I, you can just picture Adam Sandler like telling the story to like a rapt audience because who the hell wouldn't be like listening to this story with like and wanting to know every detail. And it's like it definitely fits his like type of humor. Like he's a very juvenile comic, Adam Sandler. Like so you can tell like why he would be attracted to it. But it also is sort of like, is, did that really happen? Or is this something that he thinks is funny, like a fucking ball story? Like, come on, Adam Sandler. We're supposed to believe Mr. Belvedere sat in his balls. But Jay puts it in the book. Um, but a mystery, uh, the mystery continues because people start not believing that it's true. Then, as, as Scott told me, he gets more into the comedy scene and he starts getting more inside him. <laughs> This is why I love Scott. I relate to this so much because he is not letting this go. He is doing investigation. Right, because it's like, yeah, it could be true, but Adam Sandler is funny and he could he could tell a good story and it's like he tells ball stuff all the time. Like, he's like, that's his like, you know, go-to kind of joke. So according to Scott, he said comic Doug Benson like started doing like podcast or like it's like the early days of podcasts and stuff like that he started claiming that he was roommates with the guy who played the oldest son on the show and that guy i think his name is rob stone came home from early work early one day and was like you're not going to believe this but mr belvedere sat on his balls and had to be taken away on a stretcher (laughs) (laughs) he tells this in fact Gilbert Gottfried is also obsessed with this story because he was working on a set that was like nearby that where Mr. Belvedere was filming during that time. And he said that the the rumor that he had sat on his balls was making the rounds across all the the sound stages. So Doug Benson goes on Gilbert Gottfried's podcast called the Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast. And of course, Gilbert Gottfried, like they go through, I listen to it. It goes through like a whole hour. And then the last 10 minutes, he's like, okay, so here's what we're here to talk about for real. And he brings up the story, the rumor of Mr. Belvedere sitting on his balls. <laughs> Mr. Belvedere, I'm sorry, Doug Benson says that he sa- he says Sandler got the story from me. Uh, he was roommates with Rob Stone, who played the oldest son. And, and that's how Benson got this story about uh, Mr. Belvedere sitting on his scrotum. So he thinks that Adam wasn't even stealing the story, but just was telling the story. And maybe Jay Moore mistook it for one of Adam's story. Uh, And that's like considered to be really how that's like, that's, that's the real version where it came from. That's the origin. Yeah. Cause he was like a young actor in Hollywood living in this roommate with Rob Stone. He really was living with him. Yeah. All of that is true. Now, I did some more research to get more confirmation, and I found a Reddit AMA with Jay Abramowitz, who was a writer on Mr. Belvedere during that period, uh, and he said, one day we writers were in the office of our show showrunner, Liz Sage, going through a script and minding our own business when the director burst in and told us that they had to shut down production. We weren't going to believe why. According to him, Mr. Belvedere had been... <laughs> had been in the previous weekend's Hollywood Christmas parade. He had been standing in a car waving to his fans when the car slammed on the brakes suddenly. (laughs) He lost his balance and toppled awkwardly, sitting down, crushing his balls in the process. He came into rehearsal that day despite being in severe pain. (laughs) 
<laughs> Rachel started being in superior pain and eventually had to be taken to his bed because he was in such pain he couldn't continue the <laughs> rehearsal. Now, he says he does not know if he passed out from the pain, as is often quoted in the, the rumor that he sat on them so hard and was oh, in no. such pain that he passed, he fainted from the pain. And then this is, um, he said that after that, the male writers on the staff all spent the rest of the day trying to reproduce the accident to see if it was possible. No. And that was why, because they were like, how is that possible to hurt your balls that way? So they all like spent the day trying to like recreate the accident that caused this ball um, pain. Now, another executive producer of the show, a man named Jeff Stein, also confirmed this story. He said, yes, Mr. Belvedere did sit on his own balls. <laughs> he fell backwards riding in a convertible in the Hollywood <laughs> Christmas parade. We had to shut down for a week while he healed. Our uh, producer at the time prefaced the revelation with this statement. Now, you can't tell anybody <laughs> Obviously, everyone told everyone that is the story of how that story got that rumor got started. It is actually an urban legend that is true. Like, yes, it I'm did so happen. happy right now. Now, I thought that this is a little preview from my article because I thought that uh, Scott had a really funny uh, way of looking at it. Because the show ended certainly after this nut mishap. And he said that he was like, was this the beginning of the end for the show? He said that he thought the nut crack <laughs> on Mr. Belvedere was like the version of Fonzie's jumping the shark moment on Happy Days. <laughs> like the day, the, the incident, the inciting incident when the show was just over. And Scott had a very interesting theory. He said, maybe that's why the show stopped working. Every writer in the room realized they could never write anything funnier than Mr. <laughs> Belvedere sitting on his ball. <laughs> so that is the story of Mr. Belvedere sitting on his balls, a very true, it turns out true urban legend. I just did a Snopes fact check. Dude, I'm so, I'm in tears right now. Like I'm in tears, especially that it happened at the Hollywood parade. Fuck the Hollywood Christmas parade. The Hollywood first of Christmas all. First parade. First of all, can I just every, look, I've lived in, I've lived in Hollywood for 10 years, like in that area of Los Angeles for 10 years. That fucking Hollywood parade every fucking Christmas happens, and it fucks everything up here. It fucks everything up. It's honestly the only parade I've ever wanted to go to. What? It looks so stupid. Desi. (laughs) (laughs) Because I don't like parades. I hate parades. But I've seen some tacky people at this parade. Dude, it's always like Mario Lopez. Oh, it is? Oh, I thought it had more old school tacky people. Well, I'm just like, I mean, maybe he's like, I guess he works for like extra now or whatever, right? Okay. But I mean, it's just like, yeah, it's like people like that. Maybe it used to be cool, but now it's like. No, it was never cool. Okay. But like not campy or weird. I'm sure you okay. know what? I will check it out with you sometime. Okay. I've never actually witnessed it. The only reason I say I think I saw something that made me interested because it was like some lame ass like Charles Nelson like or like Rip Taylor or some like star from like yeah. the olden days where it's like, okay, I need to go to this parade if that's what the level I, of star they have. Okay, <laughs> I, I will do some more digging into okay. who, who the stars are for the Hollywood. I doubt they're going to do it. Th- I mean, you know what? Maybe Santa's going to wear a mask this year. Or they might not have it this I'll year. I'll go for right? the sad COVID year. Maybe. I will Let's totally check into it. I will totally witness it for the sad COVID year. Okay. Let's do it. Uh, uh, look, I've never actually seen it. All I know the Hollywood Christmas Parade from is because it fucks everything up traffic-wise in the yeah. area. Well, yeah. Streets are shut down. It's just like a clusterfuck. And you always, Absolutely. And you always fucking forget when it is, so it sneaks up on you. 
Yes. You're no, like, oh, I get living in an Christmas area parade. and being annoyed by it for sure. But uh, yeah, let's look into One it. One time I w- in 2007, actually, before I lived in Hollywood, I was in a play that was in Hollywood. Oh. And this fucking stupid ass director, like we had like a play going up the night okay. that there was the Hollywood Christmas parade. And the parade was like, the route was like right by where the fucking theater was. And he didn't tell us that there was this holiday. So, like, no one could go to the theater to do the oh. show. It was just, like, stupid. Yeah, I mean, when you have a bad experience with something like that, it's just awful. I've just always, like, had it's a like resentment. The, it's like when I have to come here and the um, cemetery theater stuff is happening. Yeah. I'm you just always- like, fuck this, because I can't find parking. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I have to work. I'm not going to a fucking movie in the cemetery. Like, it's not fair. Like... Uh, yeah. So yeah, we'll post some pics, but no ball pics. <laughs> no, no, Mr. Belvedere ball pics. But thank you to Scott Bowser for that illuminating information. I, yeah. I'm like, I'm like vibrating right now. <laughs> like when I honestly, like when I like getting confirmation on a celebrity urgen, urban legend is like just finding out where it even came from to me is always interesting, <sighs> even if it doesn't turn out to be true. We used to do a lot of like urban legend investigation episodes for our Patreon, like in the early days of our I Patreon. I think we just ran out of the... Um, we ran out of urban legends to do. Um, but we can do more urban legends that maybe aren't Yeah, celebrity. we can do yeah. like non... Maybe I'll do that this week. We'll do urban legends that yeah. aren't celebrity related. But we used to do a lot of investigation on where celebrity urban legends originated from. Like we get to the bottom of it. So you should... If you're, if you're a patron and you haven't listened to our earlier episodes, scroll all the way back... Yeah. To the beginning. We do Led Zeppelin Mud Shark, we the do, gerbil. We, my favorite episode, the Richard Gear gerbil. Oh, yeah, that one's good. If you want to know where that started. Yeah. So, yeah, One of the back. best urban legends of all I time. Hate, I don't like that about Patreon, how you have to scroll. Like, it should be a better organization. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Actually, you can. You can click on year. Oh, okay. You can. You can Whenever click. I complain about tech, there's always a solution that I just don't <laughs> Yeah, Desi. Yeah, uh, I'm always afraid to ask or to complain about something because I know someone's going to be like, uh, you can do that. You, you know what? I only, I only figured it out because I was also like, why do I just scroll back so far? But then I saw there was like a button you could okay. press. That yeah, was, go to the first year and it, I think 2017. That most, of those are, most of those will be there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Wow, Desi. I really needed that after this week. That okay, was great. Good. <laughs> okay, so our mini episode will be also late, but it's coming. We're going to record in a on- few days. So yeah, you're gonna get, and then you know we're gonna adjust back to our normal schedule soon. Yeah, but the episodes we're not gonna skip any episodes. No, our schedule is just a little wonky right this now. This week, this yeah. week only. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye.